Hi, you're listening to Creatives Making Money, the podcast for creative service providers on a mission to do the work they feel called to and make excellent money while they do it. This is a show for the writers, makers, dreamers, doers, creators, artists, the crazy ones, the ones who are determined to consciously build the life and career of their dreams. Here, we don't just believe in getting your dream job. We believe in creating it. So what does creative success look like? How do we live a fully expressed, abundant life? How do we create the revenue we desire and hold space for our soul projects? That's precisely what we're here to talk about. I'm your host, Jamie Jensen, award-winning screenwriter, conversion copywriter, former agency founder and CEO, serial entrepreneur, and shameless creator. No matter where you are in your creative and financial journey, I'm here to help you create like you mean it. Welcome to Creators Making Money. Today, I have a very dear, dear friend and special guest, Sarah Fox, with me today. Sarah Fox is a writer, and she is also the CEO of The Bookish Fox, a book coaching and editing agency. She has helped hundreds of people write and polish their books so they can finally get them in the reader's hands. Her writing blog has won the Positive Writers, the Best Writing Blogs for Writers Award two years in a row, and she's made Kindlepreneur's list of best editors. She believes that books change lives and the world. And I believe, I, I agree. I'm glad, Jamie. I'm glad for validation today. I'm like, I'm like already slaughtering your, your intro, but we're going to, listen, Sarah and I, I are very, it. very good friends. We have so much ground to cover today on so many things. I don't even know if we're going to fit it all in, but we're going to do our absolute best. Sarah, thank you for being here. Welcome. I love you. And I'm so excited for this. Thank you for this long, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> so sarah and i sarah and i how did we meet sarah we were just talking about this before i hit record it was the uncaged lifers facebook group and then i was like can i refer people to you for copywriting because i just do copy editing and editing and you said sure by the way i like your website but here it's like a pop art theme and you're like my friend does cartoon portraits you should hire her and I feel bad because I didn't but it was like that's the distinct memory I have of it was like looking I was in the Baltimore Museum of Art when you messaged me I remember sitting in front of the elevator being like these are cool cartoon people I like this girl (laughs) (laughs) yeah we like immediately connected on like on an on like an art direction art history I love that you were in a museum when you got that message for me you know what I mean (laughs) very distinct memory and I'm not quite sure why but maybe I knew I maybe I knew it was momentous yeah we were just meant to be connected um and then Sarah you did the very first version of my program copy that I believe it was either the first or second time I ran my copy that course Mm mm-hmm and I, what I remember is that as a result of what I, the exercises I put my students in the course through, you actually started writing your novel. Yes, that did happen. <laughs> I don't remember which novel because there's been a lot, but I do remember it <laughs> got me to write my novel. So that was awesome. Yeah, I just remember your testimonial for that was like, this was so great. I learned so much and I started writing my novel. <laughs> I was like, so <laughs> I glad. Think my, I think based on timeline, it had to be my Gatsby adaptation. I feel like timeline that or my Persephone. It's one of the two. It's somewhere in that ballpark. But mm-hmm. It was great. I really mm-hmm. like got a good book out of that class and learned about coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm here for a two in one. I feel like Sarah was my very first 
writer entrepreneur client where I was like, oh, we're both things. And there's like a hyphen here and we have businesses and also write. And because you and I, so we've worked together in many capacities, but what's interesting about our relationship is like, we worked together in a, in a container where it was just writing coaching, right? Where like I, I, you, I was the writing coach and we worked. Yeah, it was awesome. My current book came from that when we were walking on the beach. That wasn't yes. the book I was working on through the whole container. It was only in the retreat is the book. <laughs> yeah, There's a theme. I take your courses and I get something <laughs> magical at the end that, that worked. That was not exactly what was planned the whole time, but worked even better. So you're the epitome of this or something better. And you're always the something better, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take that soundbite and put it on my dating profile. You should. Um, I think I might. So <laughs> it's all going to lead to Michael B. Jordan. It's going to lead to Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> Sarah had a vision that I'm marrying Michael B. Jordan and I'm kind of here for it. I'm not going to lie. Um, okay. So fast forward or maybe it was a, maybe it was a rewind. I don't know. I'm writing a time travel novel right now and Sarah knows all about it. So maybe we're fast forwarding and rewinding a lot here. But we've also worked together in a capacity where I was your business coach a few times. Yes, that was before. Yes. Yeah, that was before. You were the one of the best investments I ever made in my business. So if people are thinking about hiring Jamie and she not pay me to say this, you did. Like, that's what got me to a six-figure editorial agency was working with you in, it was the copywriter course. I was like, do I belong here because I'm not a copywriter? What was that called? The copy click. That was awesome. That got me to six figures, guys. So that was a good time. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. And and like you did it while also honoring space for your writing. Yes. That's why I hired you is because I knew you were someone that understood the right. Because sometimes you hire business coaches and they're great. And I'm sure they're very helpful to certain type of people. You've talked about this, but like it's kind of a unique thing where you're both a writer and an entrepreneur. And a lot of people are like, put the writing aside, just focus on your funnel or something. And you got both because you're magic, Jamie. This is not going to be just a Jamie love fest, I swear. No, it's not. We're going to talk a lot about Sarah. I'm curious to know, um, in terms of writing, and this is like one of my favorite questions that I ask now, because I talk to a lot of writer entrepreneur hyphenates who do some version of a service and also have their own business and brand and also have their own writing. And so I look at these like three different buckets of writing that are required. It's like, we're, we're the hyphenates, but we have to, we have to kind of provide writing services in all these buckets. And so there's like the client stuff, right? Like actually serving the clients, reading their stuff, helping them, supporting them. That like requires for you, the developmental editing, like looking at a story, looking at their content, reading their book, giving them notes. Then there's like content you create for your own business, right? Which could be like, email marketing. It could be like Instagram content. It could be right. And then there's like your own writing. Mm -hmm. So for you, can you just speak to how that shows up in terms of like, which gets the most attention when, and like, are there any different areas of struggle with those different areas? Like, does do any of those areas specifically feel neglected at any point? Like, how does that show up for you in terms of relating and showing up for all those different like content needs? Sure. Um, so the clients like take their own day, right? So if I'm doing client work, it's, I can sometimes do it. I encourage people to write an hour a day, but I've discovered, and I could do that at one point, but my current, it always changes. My current incarnation of Sarah Fox, and it'll probably change again is I need to take 
weeks off. So right now I'm in the middle of a three week off period of just working on my book because my writing's better that way for me personally. And it's different for every person, but I need to immerse myself in it. So I often take like these, my, in my COVID time in my house retreat. So that's kind of that. And that the good news is that fuels content for my blog. It fuels content for Instagram. I make lives being like, this is my takeaway guys in my backyard with my dogs. So that's helpful. And then working with client also fuels content or just living my life. It's actually been harder to write content during the pandemic. Cause I usually write about a story of like an Uber driver or Lyft driver telling me a story, or I went to a ballet and I thought of a writing lesson from it, or I went to the movies and I could get a writing lesson from it. Like I'm a very pop culture heavy brand. So like by doing events or going out in the wild, like having just personal stories, it really fueled the content. So it was just living my life made it super easy. I would just get ideas at an art gallery or at the zoo or something. So it's been harder during COVID that has taken a hit. I've been less consistent just because inspiration is harder to come by. And it, it's been harder with the book because of that. Um, but with clients, it's just, e that one's easier and it's always going to be a priority. To be honest, it's hard as a business owner because it's financially the more immediate and urgent thing. So client work is pretty easy to do. That's an easy priority. It's like breathing to me to do a developmental edit. It's just easy, natural. It's my zone of genius. Um, writing, I love. It's my favorite thing. That doesn't always come easy because it's like creative and you have to be in the right flow and all that. So, but they all fuel each other, I think, in the end. Um, the one that I think is the most isolated is probably the client work from my own writing, but my own writing helps my clients. So it flows one way, but I don't think it quite flows the other way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I love that you're pointing out, you're like, before, before, when we weren't just stuck in the house, there would be all of these things. And I'm like, and now here's another story about me waking up and making coffee. Like, yes. <laughs> I can tell them about TV shows I'm watching, but again, yeah there's limits to that sometimes because you're, I watch the same show, like crazy ex-girlfriend for two months. There's only so many writing lessons from crazy ex-girlfriend I can give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's funny is, well, this is, uh, this might be you all the time, but every time I talk to Sarah, she's like, so I just read this book and maybe you should read this book and here's why. And like, so I just read this book and this was the message of it. And I really feel like you need to hear this right now. Or like, so I actually have a book for you that I think would help with this. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, is that always the case or is that extra the case because, because there aren't other, like, because we're not pulling from other experiences, you know? Um, it's always the case, but more extreme. It was so funny. I was talking to a friend, we have actually a mutual friend the other day and she was like, uh, Sarah, didn't you just talk about this book yesterday? You said you finished it. I'm like, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> so it was like, I was just like, it's all the time I'm like that, but it's probably like exponentially more so than usual. It's extra because what else am I doing? I'm at home, living yeah. my best life Yeah, at home. <laughs> <laughs> How many books do you read typically? Um, so right now, uh, it's usually 300 a year at least. Um, right now I'm at close to 40 is where I am right now. What is that, a book a day? <laughs> like weekends, I'm just powering through. Yeah, but that's like, if you did one a weekend, that's 52 in a year. How are you reading 300 books in a year? Is that every year or just this year? It's, um, I'd say it's more like 200 every year, but like last year was like 300, over 300. Okay, this is why Sarah is my editor. 
have a life guys no because because books are books are your life like they're not your whole life but like they are you know what I mean and I think Mm -hmm. it's like if you're gonna hire an expert hire an expert who like loves what they do and lives eats breathes like walks their talk you know there's I just listen there's no one to me I'm like there's no one I trust more to read to read something I'm creating know what's in the market know what's happening right now like it's just you're just you just amaze me. Um, Thank you. My first word was book. So I feel like it was destined. <laughs> it literally was. I'm like, I don't know, guys. <laughs> so fun fact about Sarah, when, so she's, um, what's, I am the woo. Is that the, is that the statement that we're using now? So we, we have yeah. a fun, we, we have a fun, uh, experience in terms of in terms of the level of woo that Sarah has been open to through the time that we've been connected and I feel like the way you used to characterize this and I like and please tell your version of the story but here's what I remember I remember you being like um I'm from DC and it's facts or like I live in DC and I'm surrounded by people who are like it's a politics and facts and like I can't there's no way that I'm ever gonna like lean into this this like the 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 impractical side of things or what I've been calling it lately is the unreason. Cause every time I have a conversation with someone I I'm finding with clients, I'm either stepping in as the voice of reason or the voice of unreason, depending mm-hmm. on what the conversation requires. So talking about the, the voice of unreason and how that has sort of your, your, I want to say, you know, how, what's the arc of transformation for you with the voice of unreason? <laughs> so I've always had this is going to sound super woo, but let's all lean into it today, guys, where I had the ability to, um, I had the ability to always kind of sense things. So I have a really strong intuition. I have dreams that are kind of, sounds so woo, prophetic. So you have to fight against it. My DC self is like, don't tell the story, Sarah. But so I like had, for example, I had a dream that my mom yelled out, oh my God. And she never says that like, right. And there was a crashing noise and she never says that she's super Christian, right? Like that'd be bad. So for her like religious beliefs, then my mom calls me the next day and says, a cat got ran over. I saw it get hit by a car and I yelled out, oh my God. So that happened when I was like in college and my grandmother had this too. So she would just know things, right? Um, my parents call her the witch, um, affectionately, of course. And so I have it. Like I knew when I was going to buy the house, I'm like, I'm buying my house, right? Like I get these sense of things of like, when things happen, I have prophetic dream, other stories of prophetic dreams. And it's like really creepy all the time. And it freaks my husband out because he's super, <laughs> but it's like, this is going to happen today. He's like, okay, yeah, right. And then it does. And he's like, what happened? But like by interacting with like you and Aaron and some other people we know in the space, I just learned to lean it. I think it was just like, I was so saturated by it. I couldn't stop anymore. I was like, okay, I guess this is a thing. And it's been learning a process of trusting that gut and intuition. I'm like, I'm always still like, this is crazy, Sarah. It's not going to happen like this. This is just you like wishful thinking or it was just a dream or whatever. And then it always does. Mm-hmm. So that's my journey with the woo. And now I am the woo. And yeah, I think I said that after I was like, I'm going to get my house today. And I told, I know I told Aaron this, I think I told you, this is in copy click where she was also helping out. And then 
I did, and I was like, I am the woo, and that's where the statement came. <laughs> I realized I'm I not woo woo. I'm not woo woo. I'm not. I'm not. And then you're like, I am the woo. <laughs> and then like, and then like rainbows started just floating out of nowhere, and unicorns danced across the the screen, and everyone was it was sparkly, and we were like in a Lisa Frank catalog come alive. I don't know. That's what happened. That's the dream. That's, that's the dream. That's how I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> there was purple pandas with paintbrushes all over the place yes <laughs> okay <clears throat> so let's like we're gonna reel it in for anyone who's listening who's like no I really need some writing tips guys like you're having a good time and I'm so happy about that and like I get that you love each other and I'm so happy about that but also um let's talk about writing okay so what so in your experience it, what do you think are like the biggest, you know, the, let's say the top three struggles that you see writers facing, like, especially now? Okay. Um, I think the first one is believing that the work is worth it. So everyone's like, is it good enough? Is it worth it? Right? Like, I think that's always the question is, is this a waste of time? I have that question myself. And the answer is, it's not. Even if you don't get a publishing deal, even if no one reads it, I still think on a, like a soul level to go back to the woo or whatever is I think it's worth your time because I always become a better person for my art I always become a better writer which is important to me and I think it makes me happy it's I was just telling someone yesterday I'm like I'm happy the only thing that makes me maybe happier than writing is chocolate so I was like so I think that's the key and also it's just and yes I think everyone's story is worthy it's just on a big level I think it is and I think it's just developing that trust in yourself and in your writing I think is something people struggle with on a practical level, I think people struggle with show not tell is that people like if a camera can capture it, I read this in book, it's showing if a camera can't, it's telling. Um, so there you get like, so I read that somewhere. And I'm like, that was so helpful to me. Um, I think it's just people want to like write it as um, a film treatment, a lot of their books, where it's just like summarizing the plot, right. And then it's like, no, you have to slow down guys and write it out. Um, and Actually, um, the last thing people write about that like I think struggle with is um, kind of, how do I put this? It's, it's telling a story that's appropriate for them. So oftentimes people write politically incorrect things. People write the stories that are not theirs to tell. Um, so it's like, like, for example, white people really shouldn't be writing books from like an African-American perspective, right? Like it's kind of also this whole sense of not knowing the industry and knowing like crossing lines where they'll accidentally use a word that they're not supposed to use, maybe intentionally, maybe not, and having that conversation. So I think there's also a lot of it with getting adjusted to where we are um, as a society and also with um, understanding things like Black Lives Matter and under becoming aware of their own white privilege and things like that, or even their own misogyny. Like it's people struggling like with what they're programmed with um, as a society. Um, and there's actually this kind of deeper struggle with all of that. And that's why I see show up a lot is actually people coming to terms with these greater political and personal issues. I, I like have so many things I wanna say about that, but I'm gonna pause and take a breath. <laughs> I'm specifically thinking about some of the like students and programs of mine. We're not going to go there today. Um, okay. So uh, what's your advice with all of those three challenges? Okay. Um, my first advice is for confidence. It's just believing yourself. Right. And I think that takes time. 
Um, and I think it's something you might need to work with your therapist. It might be something you just have to confront in the mirror. Um, the second one is that camera tip, right? It's like doing all that. I mean, the third one is a big one, right? It's like listening to voices that are not your own, staying in your lane, um, educating yourself. Like that's a huge one. And as a white woman, I have limits to even what I can speak to on that. But it's just really, I think, educating to yourself, listen to voices that are not your own, read books by people that aren't like you. Um, read books by people of color, read books of people of different gender, um, things like that, right? The sexualities, I think it's just like getting sensitivity readers where it's appropriate, even though there's some debate about that. Um, I think it's just really also looking in the mirror and doing the work. What's the and debate? That's, big. that's beyond yeah. me. That's beyond me. That's a huge topic on a podcast. Yeah. What's the debate around sensitivity readers? Um, well, the sensitivities are readers are great for a lot of people, but also you have to be aware of that they cannot speak for everyone, right? So like a sensitivity reader is someone of that background who reads your book and comments on it. It's great because it avoids often stereotypes and um, issues, but you also have to know the person does not speak for everyone. It's their own personal experience and know the limitations of that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, this is so again, helpful. White, I know white woman, we're so two white, we're two, yeah, say. we're two, we're two liberal white women having this conversation and there are a lot of limitations and we don't know everything, but we, we will, she will share what she knows. Yes. I will say it with that caveat. I mean, there are a lot of writers out there that are people of color sharing about this and they have very valuable things to say and go listen to them. Do you have anyone in mind that you think we should listen to on this topic specifically? Um, I can send you a list right now. It's like hard to come up right in mind. That's totally fine. Head. Yes, yes, yes. I we, make will, sure. we will add links to show notes so that anyone who wants to specifically in, investigate more in this topic can. Thank you. Yeah, one person that. I know who talks about this a lot is Justina Ireland is top of mind. Like the first person that comes to mind is her. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Hey. If you're a writer entrepreneur ready to grow your business to multiple six figures while also getting your personal writing done and making an impact, I created Craft and Cashflow for you. This Creative Leadership Collective is a 12-month program that will help you implement the exact steps I took to grow from six to multiple six figures, churn out writing work that got me attention and enthusiastic collaborators, and make a difference. If you're curious to learn more about this virtual group program where you'll get tons of personal attention, coaching, and strategy on your writing and your business, and even some energy work and healing too, let's talk. I've opened up a few times in my calendar for quick chats just for this. You can head to creativesmakingmoney.com slash chat to grab a time. Speak soon. Okay, so we've, we've decided that our story is worth it. We've decided that we're going to do the thing. We're going to show, not tell, and we're going to, we're going to really be appropriate and not appropriate. Um, so all of those things are happening and we're sitting down to do the work. Then what happens? Um, so what, you, what do you mean by that? Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what I mean by that is like, in terms of process, like what challenges do you see come up and what do you, what do you typically recommend? And is it different for fiction versus nonfiction? Okay. So process, I recommend outlining, but not be married to it. So with fiction, have the beats down at least, um, which is like the midpoint or the dark night of the soul. Right. Um, and for nonfiction, I think what's key is like having a clear, and this can apply also to fiction idea of your audience, 
like why are you the person writing this book? What is the purpose of this book? Um, and uh, also, uh, also like who's your audience? Wait, I just said that. Sorry about that. <laughs> but that's but it's important. So I'm glad you're saying it because audience, audience, audience. And your why? That was it. The last one is your why. Beautiful. So there you go. And um, and you need to know why for both. Because if you don't know your why, then like, what's the point of writing? And there's going to be hard days. And if you have it on a post that I'm writing this, whether to entertain people, to inspire people, to somehow teach them how to do a funnel, to tell them your life <laughs> story so they understand, those are the key things. <laughs> Yeah. When you talk about your why for both things, what do you mean? Do you mean, what do you mean? So like I'm writing, for example, my current book, one of my whys is to entertain. Right. Um, and also another part of my why is like, I want to help young women who are in like abusive relationships because it deals with it, my book, like, like how to deal with it, how to get out, like kind of show them it's not okay. So that's a why for fiction. Like a why for nonfiction is if I want to write a book about, let's say, how to edit your book, my why would be how to edit, but you need to have that thing there, this repurpose of why you're doing it. Because if you don't, it's going to be a rough journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's a rough journey because you don't have that North, that North star to kind of guide you in decisions? Or yeah. do you think it's rough because you lose motivation or both, both. or more? Both. I think it's because you don't have motivation. You don't have also, if you know your purpose, you'll, you'll know when you're getting off track, right? Like if you add a scene, it's like, this doesn't make sense then like, yeah. you know, that like, oh, okay. It's because it's not fitting my why, or it's easier to cut things. Cause you're like, oh, this doesn't fit my general message. Like if you're writing a book about how to design a website and then you start telling your story about your dog, you're like, wait, this is extraneous. Let me cut it. But also on the days where it's hard and you're like, I don't feel like it. You can look at that post-it note and then keep going. Got it. So know your person, know your purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think people typically do wrong? So let's like use me as an example, because I'm Sarah's client right now and I'm halfway through a book. I have like 42, 43,000 words of a novel. And I feel like all the things she's talking about, <laughs> I'm experiencing all of them. What do you, where, where do you think people start to like go off track or, I mean, feel free to use me as an example if you want to, is sort of what I'm saying. Like I'm, I'm fully available to be transparent about this as we're having this conversation. Um, you know, what do you think, what are some mistakes you see people making like as they're in the process or as they like they've, they're in it and now, now like what roadblocks show up, what obstacles show up and, and like, how can we overcome them? Okay. Um, so what I think is, is that people get in their own head, head too much, if that makes sense where they're like, wait, is this the right thing to do? And they just, don't go with their gut. Or I think an outline is helpful. I encourage my clients to have outlines, but um, what happens is, is that you're so married to it that you don't like creativity or inspiration to breathe through it. And it's like, it's okay to deviate. It's totally fine to follow the inspiration within reason. Like don't go crazy and like go off the deep end right about your dog when you're writing about websites, right? But I think you know the difference. People know the difference. I think the key is people don't trust themselves. And when they don't trust themselves, that's when things go sideways a bit. Hmm. Something else that's, that's like coming through on my end that wants to be said about this is like, and this is a question. It's not like a defined thought, but do you think that 
do you think that it's more fun to let yourself deviate and follow the inspiration versus like, oh, this is what I have to write because it's in the outline? Because that's like my felt experience of it is like, well, this is what the blueprint is. So I'm just going to follow it, even if I don't feel excited about it right now. <laughs> Would you say that that's like an accurate way to for someone to tell if they're like doing that or not? Um, What do you mean by doing that specifically? I mean, like tell if they are following the inspiration versus like just sticking to an outline, you know, like being too married to an outline. I think when it feels stale and I, again, it's like, I feel like that's not helpful, but you know what, when you see it, right? So when you're writing it and you just feel like it's forced and the characters in the case of fiction aren't speaking to you or if the words aren't flowing and there, there's a distinction between some days you just aren't gonna have great days, but you know it, like, you know, when something's not working and it feels really forced and it feels, um, it just doesn't, like you just know it's not right. And you're like not excited about it. And you know that this is that feeling of, wait, am I, like, you know, when you get lost when you're driving and you're like, where am I? This doesn't look right. It has that kind of feeling to it. And then if you have an idea that's not quite with it and you're super excited about it, and you're like, I can't wait to write it. Then, you know. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. How do you think someone finds their way back to the fire with nonfiction? Do you think it's the same kind of experience and like similar advice or it's a little different? So with nonfiction, I would say, are you, I always tell nonfiction writers to think that they're writing a letter to a friend or a client or someone specific is always key. Um, I would say, think of that person. And then is this person would want to hear this or would you want to tell this person that? And then if not, yeah. Yeah. then you probably know it's not the right track. Person and purpose. We're going to keep coming back to that. Said <laughs> <laughs> it multiple times because it's that important. Yeah. Should we talk about publishing, marketing? Like what, where do we want to go from here? Um, let's talk about that for a second. So skipping ahead to like the phase where you're marketing or considering publishing or thinking through those things, um, what are some, some just like, maybe what I want to say is like the overlooked pieces that need to be paid attention to. Okay. Um, so for marketing, for publishing and marketing. Yeah. Oh, overlooked pieces for, I think what's interesting is so many <laughs> of my clients with marketing are entrepreneurs. So they don't know about mailing lists. They don't know about like, um, they don't know how to do a website, right? So I think a lot of people are just coming to the ground floor. Um, I think with entrepreneurs, what they forget about marketing is to do it for their book, which sounds weird, but you're supposed to start marketing at ASAP. Like the, when you should have started marketing a book was yesterday, right? Is what people joke about. So you wanna market the book as soon as possible. Um, so like start talking about your writing process, start telling people like sharing little snippets, things like that, like it's never too soon. I think they get shy about it, which I understand, but so it's either like people don't know how to market and they know they should, or they're like, oh, I can market this. This is a thing. So there's like the two sides of that for it. And with publishing, I think people don't know like, like how, like it's important to be connected to the industry. Like Twitter is a great place to find out publishing news. There's different resources you can have, but I think um, it's just, I think persistence. I think people are like, oh, I'm going to send it out query and it's going to be accepted by the first person that that doesn't, I think they need to realize there needs to be a level of resilience with that and a comfortable, like you can be comfortable with rejection. 
And I think that makes people uncomfortable, but it's like going out there and your agent list needs to be longer than you think it does need to be. Like people are like five agents will be fine. Like maybe you should try 40, 60, make a list of it. Don't send it all out once, but just be prepared to be at it for a while. It's not going to be like in your inbox instantly. And like even takes a couple of weeks or even months for them to read it. Like don't, ex it's not as instant, especially for high quick starts. It won't be as instant as you think it is. And um, you just have to have patience and just faith. There's a lot of faith with writing and publishing. Yeah, I love that. And what, what's coming up for me around this that's interesting, it's like, okay, so a, a lot of, so I just want to sort of bring you into my brain where it is right now so you can understand the question, what I'm thinking and what, where I want to take this for a second. But I'm thinking about the immediacy of things like marketing, social media, tw Twitter, TikTok, um, and like, you know, online publications where you can like pitch an article. It has to be trending. It has to be what's now. It has to be top of mind. It has to be, it's like, we live in a culture where everything is like now, now, now immediate. It's out. It's not even cool anymore. Goodbye. Right. And yeah. so you're like, oh, this is trending. And, and I would say that like with stuff hitting in Hollywood too. Right. Cause like yeah. those of you who are listening, who might not know this, like my background is in screenwriting. It's in, it's in more entertainment that isn't necessarily like books publishing that side of it. And so there's a lot of like, what's hot right now? What's, what are you pitching? What do you have in your back pocket that's appropriate in this moment? And so what I'm hearing is like, man, the whole process with fiction writing in particular and, and books, especially with traditional publishing is like literally the opposite of that. It's like, it's a process, yes. <laughs> it takes a lot of time and then you get it to the thing and then that takes a lot of time. And then, and so it's just, it's interesting. What I would, what I'm curious to hear from you is um, because when I talk about committing to an idea creatively, um, or like committing to something, I feel like the timeliness, like relevance matters. Right? Mm -hmm. right. And so I'm curious to hear from you on like, when you're guiding a writer, whether we're talking about fiction or nonfiction on, you know, whether, whether they really want to invest themselves in the, in their idea, thinking about those pieces, um, do you have different advice for fiction or nonfiction? Do you tell someone to just trust their intuition on it? Like, is there sort of a strategic eye that you have towards like what's trending in the marketplace? And let's say it takes two years, like what you could foresee hitting at the right time or whatever, like, yeah. The problem with it is you can't, right? Like it's hard, especially with fiction, because if you try to write a vampire book, let's say you want to pitch a vampire book right at the height of twilight. Two years later, it's out of vogue, right? Which is like, it's a long publication cycle. Um, it helps to look at comp titles, which means like titles that are similar to yours, um, especially with nonfiction, knowing like in book proposals, there's a section on the market where you need to know like where your book fits on the bookshelf, right? Like you have to know, it's actually a good thing if there's other books like yours, because it proves that it's a proven market, right? People are like, oh, there's no one besides my book with nonfiction. I'm like, you don't want that. You want it to have, like, you want it to be different, sure, but you don't want it to be, like the only one out there because that kind of indicates red flag, maybe people aren't interested in this topic. But it's, I think with fiction, you just is particularly, you can't like live like that because trends come and go, you can't predict it. It's just writing a really good book. And I think that's true for any way. It's like good books will get found. Um, and I think it's really important to just write a book that's really good, make sure it's like written well, it's like messaged well, um, and it's just something you're proud of. And I think that's like, that will always be in vogue, right? Good writing is always in vogue. It's just, I think if you try to chase the trends, it'll be too late by the time you get it done mm -hmm. <laughs> or it gets published. 
Which is funny because in, in, uh, in industries where you're pitching before you, before you write, like where you're like, which is not, I mean, if you're an established author or established, if you're an established author, there's room to be pitching before you write, <laughs> but there's not room for that for most people who are writing books. Like that's not, that's not where most of us are coming from and mm-hmm. you know, when we are writing. And so it's just funny to sort of think about it that way. Cause I'm like, it's a totally different way to think about it. It's just like, it's totally counterintuitive to you know, how we train from like a business and marketing perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Mm-hmm. It's more of a long game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. This is so fascinating. Okay. So in terms of, um, in terms of your favorite types of clients to work with and um, what you see as being, I want to say like, what's the word that I want to use for this? Um, like the juiciest or most exciting stuff that you get to work on, you know, where does that, you like, what is that, what, what buckets does that fall into for you in terms of like the types of projects that you are, your arms are open and you're like, bring them to me, let's do this. What I'm not getting a lot of, and I want a lot of is romance. Like I would love more romance novelists. That is some juiciness. I like, I love all my clients, but I like the kind of the fantasy clients are always a lot of fun in YA. YA is what I write. So that's my heart books, but I want some romance. People aren't sending me the steamy romance novels and I want it. I'm about it. I wrote a sex scene this morning. It's just for you, Sarah. Apparently that's why I did it. <laughs> that's <ready>. awesome. <laughs> okay. Romance. What else? What else are you like excited to work on? I like memoirs. I like learning people's stories. That's always tons of fun. Like I love all books, Jamie, you know this, but I love memoirs. Um, I love what middle grade is a lot of fun. Like for that, it's such a formative age that it's fun to see like how you can influence children and all of that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I kind of love it all, but there's, those are kind of my special places is those like, I just, Anyway, also just like good writing. Like when the author's like super talented and you know, they're super passionate about the work and they're super willing to grow. Those are the projects that are the best because you know, you can really help them transform their book. And then as we both believe, transform their lives. Mm-hmm. Yep. In terms of the biggest lessons that you've learned as a writer for your own work, what would you say are like the top three lessons or takeaways or even like if you have five, you know, give us five, but if you only have three, that's okay. <laughs> We'll take so the top, so the top five for my own or three for my own mark is we'll see how it comes out. Math is not my strong point, so we'll find out. <laughs> okay. The first one is what I've learned is to ask myself what would younger Sarah write because I went to grad school, which was great. But the one thing that it does do is teaches you. It kind of teaches you. It like kind of takes some of the. It makes your writing more stiff and formal, and it kind of takes the imagination a bit out of it and the fun. So I kind of had to remember, like, is this seem crazy? Oh, well, would younger Sarah write it? Because I was like, hours could pass by and it felt like five seconds. And I was always really proud of my writing. And I was just really in love with it. And it wasn't this high pressure thing. So that's what I've learned. Um, I learned the sock puppet thing from you, which was if there's like a critical voice in your head, imagine it as a sock puppet and quiet it. I think that's the hardest part of writing. Um, I've also learned to use contractions in dialogue, a small detail, but like it's that makes things seem much more natural. Um, what else? I think I'll do four. Um, is what I've learned is again, I think it comes back to trusting myself. Like I'm just like learning. That's how the flow happens. Is 
I'll be like, wait, is this a crazy, like similar to before crazy idea, but it's also like my words are good. They're worthwhile. And I can trust myself. I'm about to query to send this out and it'll be good. Like I have to trust that it'll be okay in the end. And that even if it's not this book, eventually I'll get there with um, getting a publishing deal with one of the books and it doesn't have to be right now. Yeah. Life is hopefully long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just keep staying inside, you know, no, I'm teasing. In terms of business, you know, which we didn't talk too, too much about business today, which is fine. This is fun. Um, what would you say as a business owner and as someone who has kind of started as a, as a service provider and, and grown and scaled an agency, what would you say are the top three to five lessons in that arena? I think the first one is I get more clients when I write which sounds interesting, but I'm a projector if you do human design and it's like safe for me to write and that I help my clients by writing, right? Like it's not taking away from them. It's the one thing I learned from it. Um, and I think that like with gro- growing and it, like uh, and business, right? It's important to be vulnerable with your marketing, right? And that's like kind of a writing lesson is being honest about my life, sometimes telling personal stories and all of that people really respond to it. It's always the emails I'm like, Oh no, I'm going to like, is this the one that's going to be too controversial? And those are the ones I get the best response for. I'm also just running a business. I have a team and it's going through a lens of compassion when you're a leader and saying like, how would I want to be treated as a constant thing I'm asking myself. Um, and just like nurturing that team and training them to edit. And it's just like learning to be in that teacher role and just always like giving people the benefit of the doubt is really key and treating people with respect. Um, my fourth business, it's five, right? The fourth business lesson is- We're not counting, um, just keep going. <laughs> you know, math is a struggle here, guys. I think you uh, there's trust with business too. Like there's every, the month where I'm like, I don't know how money is going to come in. I don't know how I'm going to pay my expenses. I don't know how it's going to happen. Always end up being my highest month yet. It's like just this, I feel like it's constant. Life is a constant leap of faith, whether it's writing or any like gay married or anything else in life. And I don't think business is different as I think there's level of faith and trust in yourself. Again, it all go all roads lead back to that of like that. It'll be okay. You can do it and you'll survive and you can handle it and good things will come. And my last business thing I learned is you can't do it alone. Like it's whether coaches, community, friends, like you can't with your team. It's not like, quote John Dunn, no man is an island. Um, it's just not possible to do it alone. I mean, maybe, but it seems like it'd be a lot worse. <laughs> I don't think you'd go as far. So I think it's okay to get help and need other people. And I think that's what makes things great. Yeah. I would add that lesson to the writing lesson too, because Sarah is my coach in my corner right now. <laughs> she's also going to my, like she's, yeah. And I, you know, I couldn't do this without her. And, and so I think that I would add that I would tag that lesson on to the, the question, the previous question too, is maybe the fifth. I don't know. We don't do math. We're writer entrepreneurs. We count words and money. That's it. Like I have an account to handle it. <laughs> the rest of the math we we opt out of. Um, Sarah, you're a dream. Um, okay. $5 million question. Okay. Got it. Okay. You have $5 million. It fell into your lap. It's magic. It is the woo. What do you do with the money? Okay. So I buy a house in DC. I've thought about this. It's like, I don't know if that would take a good chunk of it. I travel the world. I've always wanted to build um, a library at a homeless shelter, like for children as something I've always desperately wanted to do. And I also would love to donate it more to literacy efforts. 
I would really love that. That'd be amazing. I just want more people reading. I want to have like a Dolly Parton sort of fund where I'm just sending people books would also be great in this world because Dolly forever. Um, and they'll, then the rest I invest and do boring things like put a retirement and stuff like that. <laughs> you can keep, so you can basically just retire so you can start reading 600 books a year instead of 300. <laughs> <laughs> out of control, Jamie, out of control. <laughs> it's a little too wild and crazy. Ugh, Sarah, thank you so much. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners today? I'd say your story is worth it. It's worth, like you are worth it. It's okay. It's safe to write your book. Your voice is valuable. Your story is valuable. And writing the book will change your life for good, not bad. <laughs> it won't change your life in a bad way. So you need we're these clear. Caveats. <laughs> I know. Caveats. It's true. That's a good point. <laughs> Sarah, I adore you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to include all of the links in the show notes to follow you, stalk you. Is there any place in particular you want to send someone to so they can get get in on the Sarah Fox goodness? Just my website, thebookishbox.com. Come to the party. Hey! Thank you so much, Sarah. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Creatives Making Money. If you found value in this episode, please don't go anywhere before leaving a rating, review, and subscribing. Also, sharing how you connected with this episode really makes my day. So please, please, please tag me on Instagram at Jamie Lynn Jensen and let me know how this episode helped you. Also, our free Facebook community accepts new members every Monday. So if you're a writer entrepreneur, come join my write and make money community at creativesmakingmoney.com group. You can find all important links and details in this episode's show notes available at creativesmakingmoney.com. And as always, create like you mean it.